and welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur Podcast. And for the first time ever, we are recording now from the new podcast room at the Rebel HQ in Westminster, London. I've never had our own building before. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see the cameras there. Hello, everyone on YouTube. Uh, William, my guest is here with me live. Welcome to the show, William. Thank you very much, Alan. It's great to be here. I'm very excited to have this new setup, the new building. Things are changing at Rebel. It's We've great. got fancy microphones, fancy cameras. It's amazing. Uh, and for those of you will probably recognize William's voice. William has been on the show before. We've done several episodes together about exam study expert and your business. And William is back. Like It's probably been like three to four years Wow, we've been it? doing episodes yeah. for. So it's yeah. interesting when you get a perspective over time yeah. of someone's business. So tell us, where are you with your business? What's going on? And we're going to dive straight into this because the value to everyone listening is real business and real conversations about real businesses. I was thinking about how to give this context. And I thought I would tell you a little story about two businesses. Let's call them, uh, let's call the two business owners Soaring Simon and Struggling Steve. So, <laughs> Soaring. Based on my business partners. Um, it, maybe, maybe there was some kind of uh, priming effect and he was on my mind. Uh, but to, to any Steves out there, no, no shade on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, Soaring Simon's business grew 69% year on year. He has no debt. He owns 100% of the business, taking on new staff to keep up with demand. Uh, he runs a podcast with around 400 reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, averaging like 4.7 stars. 70 people filled in a feedback form of the podcast recently, and so many people were saying how much they enjoyed it. Um, we should be hitting a million downloads lifetime within a year or so. His biggest earner is speaking in schools, with takings from that more than doubling in the last 12 months. We do. He does coaching for clients. Many of them leave rave reviews there. One of them even invited him to their wedding recently. Wow. With a little handwritten note saying like how much he'd helped with their exams. And um, so Simon's doing okay. Simon's doing all right. Simon's doing all right. Then there's his mate Steve, right? And and Steve runs quite a similar business. They're in the same industry. Steve's about five years into growing the business and just finding it a constant struggle to make ends meet each month, each kind of half year period. Last half, he didn't even quite make it and he had to go cap in hand to his dad to help pay a tax bill. Um, he has a podcast as well. Downloads per episode are stagnating. So over the past couple of years, it's up from like about two and a half thousand listens for each new episode in the last, in the first month. So from about two and a half to about 3000. So it's growing, but slowly, my goodness, you know, <laughs> 500 new listeners every year or two. He's fighting hard for his games. Yeah. And like, he's added a bunch of school clients this year. That's a big earner for him, but only two of them, two of all the like 50 schools they've worked with this year have rebooked already for the next academic year. So, you know, painful, like painful effort to, you know, it doesn't quite feel like we've got that snowball effect where clients keep coming back, where they recommend to their friends, you know, heavily investing in new content writing for the blog, but it's not 
paid back for itself yet. So the blog's growing, that blog ad income is growing, but the the, the return on investment for the new content isn't isn't uh, hasn't you know hasn't paid for itself yet. You know, still passionate about the business, but sometimes it feels like flipping heck. You know, five years in, it shouldn't be feeling this hard. You know. And sometimes it makes him just want to have a little cry about it. <laughs> We've all been there. So for those of you that haven't guessed already, like both business owners, both businesses are the same business. It's both two sides of so our story Steve and at Simon the moment. are really William. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on who I'm talking to, <laughs> I can tell either version of the story. And, and, and both, are very, uh, both are very convincing and both are equally true. Um, and some days feels a bit more like Simon and things are pretty happy. But there've been quite a few days, particularly in the past six months or so, where I felt quite a bit like Steve, and you know, increasingly wondering whether it, you know, honestly, whether it's all is it worth going it? where you want to go? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, then there are other days where I feel, well, we're so close, and if we make this change and this change and this change and just sort out these things, you know, are we kind of sitting on a, you know, is is, is this just the next year that where everything changes and it starts to click into place? And, uh, you know, we don't want to quit just before we get to that, to that point. You know, I remember, I think it was possibly the last time we, we had a detailed check in Alan, we talked about being quite close to getting to the gold. And, and this was at a stage where the business wasn't really bringing in any money at all. Right. So th there were some earnings, but they were very small. They there were was very an low. image of a miner who was we going through the, a tunnel yeah. and he was so close to the gold. He knew it was there. So what happened after that was we we found the goal and now we're making money and it's and it's good. As you know, both personal life costs have gone up, oh, cost of living, mortgages, all that stuff that I'm sure you'll all be more than familiar with back home. And uh, and then also we've been taking on more staff in the business, so our costs have gone up as well. You know, when we spoke about that minor image, you know, I was aiming for maybe two three thousand, uh, you know, in terms of income per month. Which was to, to, to bring you. in, yeah. which was to cover both business and personal costs. Now we need more like 10 to cover both business and personal costs. So we've been doing it almost just, but it's, it's, it's been a struggle and it hasn't yet got to that point where it started to feel easy. So still got ideas, still got energy, but yeah, that's where we are today. I have a couple of thoughts for you, which I think will help everyone listening to start with. And then let's get into yeah. it because I'll ask some questions after I've pontificated for a moment. Thought number one is never compare your insides to someone else's outsides. And what I mean by that is you can look at someone else and go, they're really successful. They've got a shiny car. They've got a successful business. Look, they're smiling and throwing toys around for their dogs at the weekend. Who knows what it is, yeah. but they've got a lovely image. But you don't know what's really going on underneath. You don't know if they're struggling to pay the bills. They're massively mm -hmm. in debt. You have no idea. And I think there's this temptation for me as well, and I'm speaking as much to me and to everyone listening as I am to you, is that we look at everyone else and think they've got it made. And some of them are doing okay, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But most of them are working hard for it, making it happen, doing things. So I think some days you do feel like Steve, and so does everyone else. And then you look at everyone else and go, look at them. They're all Simons. I hate <laughs> them all. Look at them. 
but they're Simons on the day they look like Simons and they're Steves on other days. And some people only project Simon, but they're really Steve. Some people project Steve all the time because they can't see the rosy side of life. Yeah. So just we need a little bit of perspective on this. And the second bit, I was interesting when you said, like, I wanted three to six grand and now I need 10 to pay for this. I remember when uh, Rebel went to 20 Hmm. And we needed 20 grand a month just to pay for the staff, the team, the overheads. And I'm like, Simon and I call it, we've created a beast that needs feeding. Yeah. And this beast needs feeding every single month. And if you don't feed it, well, it'll bite off your leg. It'll get annoyed. The money won't come in. You'll end up ending owing money, uh, tax bills. Minor telling off tax bills shouldn't be a surprise. We should be saving for those. But I know you know that lesson already. Um, yeah. But the perspective is, as your business grows, so do those things. But there are people who come in and take some of those responsibilities from you. So I and Simon used to be responsible for all sales. Then eventually we hired James. James is now responsible for sales and he generates the income. He knocks down the doors. He finds the clients. We need a follow-up episode with James on the podcast. He's been off air too long. He was amazing. <laughs> He's a really interesting guy. A really interesting guy. Okay, we'll bring him back on and we'll talk about sales. <laughs> but sales is what feeds the beast. And the interesting thing, I think entrepreneurs want to do a good job. So they're like, okay, we're making more money. Let's just spend more money on someone to write blog articles, someone to edit the podcast, someone to do that. We'll just expand, expand, expand. And I think there's this, where do you want your business to be? Because sometimes when you get in 10 years, you go, I just hunger for the days when it was just Simon and I, we'd rock up at a community center, we'd make five grand, split it, do an amazing job, help people and then go home. Mm. Now it's very different. There's a building and there's overheads and there's cost and there's all this other stuff. And it's actually very hard to go from one two-person business to sustainable 20-person business that has a mechanism that brings in money. Yeah. That's not an easy tradition. And I think you've entered that phase going, I want to build a big sustainable business, not big, Depends how you define big, doesn't it? But you've entered that phase of, I want to make a sustainable business. So the question I have for you and for everyone listening to this is, if you could imagine your dream business, like I could click my fingers, everything would change. All the staff members you don't like evaporate, Thanos style. Uh, all the staff members you do love stay with you and the business is yeah. perfect. What would it look like? What would you spend your days doing? What snacks would you eat at dinner time? Like, what's the real business like? I'd like to start this response by saying, Kerry, Alex, those are my two staff. If you are listening, I love you both. 50% <laughs> just got snapped out of existence. That's a bad reference, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. It's a really interesting way of framing it. I think one, the first thing that comes to mind is that the the biggest area we make money today is doing workshops in schools. And it's also, that is also the area in around which I have the most 
stress and negative energy. It's a hard sale. I find it a hard sales cycle and I find it a mixed, I, I find ups and downs in enjoyment of actually delivering that work. But it's what schools understand and it's what schools have budget for. So some days, it, like it's an amazing day and you come home on such a high. Other days, it's a harder day delivering and you come home, you know, not feeling very good about life. Exhausted. Yeah. And it's it's what schools have budget for, but it's also, even then, it's not straightforward. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is the market is evolving. When I started this five years ago, just a little bit of backstory about what's been going on in UK schools, for those that are interested. People were very new, I think, in most cases, to the sorts of things I teach. So how to study effectively, the science of learning. Over the last five years, I think that's become much more widely taught. And part of me is very excited about that because it means we're succeeding we're on our mission, mission. Um, you know, to get the word out of that out there. And then part of me is thinking that makes my life a little bit harder because it means that where we used to get, you know, really good feedback from students in a given school about how helpful we were. Now they're sometimes saying, and this has started to happen in one of two of our longer standing schools. Well, with respect, we've heard all this before. And I know we still have a lot to offer because we do so much one-on-one -on -one work. Like the, the, we can go so much further. Like I, I still think we're we are the best people to learn this from. It's just becoming because every school is in a different place on this journey. Like if you pitch it too high, they don't get it because you leave people behind. If you pitch it too low, they turn off because they think we've heard it all before. So, kind of getting that product market fit right is, is it just feels like it's getting getting harder. I don't think it's impossible. I think we can do it. And I think we've got the tools to do it um, and keep doing it. But that was the first thing that came to mind when you said, what would your ideal you know, life look like in terms of business? It's getting, getting rid of rid that. Of that. And, <laughs> and, and that's, getting rid of your biggest yeah, money-making thing. Well, exactly. And, and that's one of the reasons that Alex exists in the business. That's the thing she does most of. The school she speaking. goes out and runs them. She goes out and runs them increasingly. I still do some. But but she's increasingly taking the the lion's share, and that's we've talked about this. That's the direction she she's going to kind of grow in as a as an employee. I still do the sales. I still do a lot of the sales cycle. But again, over time, goal for Alex is that she takes more own, more and more ownership of that as well. So that would mean that I don't I, I don't have to like because it would be like. The, why you'd ask? Well, why haven't I got rid of this already? I mean, the reason is it's the biggest area of the, which we make money, and it, sometimes I just, you I just, need to do you things know, to bring in the cash. Yeah, and it's also a really important way in which we deliver on the mission and make a difference to a lot of people at scale and all that. So, you know, having Alex is my kind of cheat card for getting around. You know, a life in which I don't have to do quite so much of it, but it still gets done and brings in the money and has the impact. Well, and. The things you don't love, there are people who love doing it. Right. Everyone loves different things. So Alex loves presenting. I love standing up in front of the audiences. Other people don't. Like Jack, who works for us, he does not want to stand up in front of audiences. He is very happy organizing the calendar, <laughs> making things happen. And that's also the detailed stuff that I go, mm. I can't be bothered with that. Just put me in front of people. I want to inspire them to do things and yeah. make money and grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like there's... I, wholeheartedly support that and love that and there's no reason why that part of the business can't grow and 
be something that produces income for the business looks after you both. Like, I love what you're doing with that. The question is, are the other areas of the business, because you were talking about launching the app, the, was it the app, the That's software, right. yeah. you were growing the blog, you had the podcast, like you were doing a lot of things. You were like, there's so many similarities between your business and my business. It's unbelievable. And I'm going to ask you that question in one second before I just make one comment. We get so many people who come on our courses and go, I know that. They come to Rebel Business School and they say, yeah, 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 I know that, Alan. What do you think my response is? Do you do it? Because mm-hmm. so many people say they know it and then go through life not doing it. And it frustrates me. They come on Rebel Finance School and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah I know I have to like work out where my money goes. So then I go, so where does your money go? And they go, uh, <laughs> and there's a huge difference between knowing and doing. And what Simon and I have actually come to conclude is when you say, I know that it automatically means you don't because you're not doing it. You don't actually know it. And quite often, if you go see a really good personal trainer, mm. the basics are the basics. Can you squat well? Can you lift weight? Can you move? They're the basic movements. If you go to someone like me about business, what are they going to say? Like, okay, let's define the product, work out the pricing, and let's sell this thing. Then let's deliver it. The basics are the basics. And people go, oh, yeah, but I need the new advanced stuff. Give me the (laughs) what's this year's latest fad. Screw the fads. Do the basics really well. So yeah. to those schools that are saying, I know that. Well, the students, not that necessarily the schools, but yeah. Yeah. Don't care who it is. Yeah. You get grumpy with them all. Yeah. We need to really hammer in and go, you've said, I know that. Maybe we need to sparkle up our delivery and deliver it with a slightly different theme, a style of doing it. We throw in some different bits. You know, we keep it fresh, but... We need to hammer them on I know that. And one of the slides from tonight's course is the most dangerous words in training are I know that. And I'm starting my course to inoculate. Do you get the word inoculate? Like to proof Mm -hmm. myself against that exact comment. Because people go, Alan, your stuff is not revelationary. Well, no, it's not. But are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah, I think for our stuff, there's a, there's exactly all of that. Hundred percent applies. I know that, I, I, as in the, 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 the no, I didn't mean no, I didn't mean to say I know that. I mean to say the attitude of I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the attitude of I know that, and then I think for us, there's also an element of. And it's it's the other thing you were saying now, just about getting the bait, like the quality of, like, for example, I had a, I have a little um, walkthrough course in which I've um, recorded uh, a walkthrough of my own university flashcards, what I wrote on them, how I trained with them. There are so many gold nuggets in that, that most people don't understand. And I had a refund request for that course from someone who said, well, I looked at your course. I was just showing me how to do flashcards. And that's pretty basic. And I didn't fight the point. I let him go. But in my heart, I was like, oh my gosh, it's not just how to do flashcards. It's how to do them well. It's those details. It's those gold nuggets of, oh, actually, it's doing this little detail instead of that. It's, you know, if you watch a, if you watch a pro basketball player doing their drills at 4 a.m. in the morning, 
you know, before anyone else has got on court, they're doing the same drills as you might do as a high school basketball player, exactly the same drills, but with surgical precision, operating at that kind of world-class level. Yeah, I teach people how to do flashcards like that. <laughs> so I would challenge you slightly yeah. with it's how you're selling it in those videos. Because having had that piece of feedback, I go back to your videos and add a small bit yeah. saying, some of you are going to yeah. be thinking, I'm just teaching you how to do flashcards. Yeah. And whilst that's correct, there are flashcards and there are flashcards. Yeah. And let me tell you how to get real value out of yeah. these. But I think it's the way we're selling it and yeah. packaging it. Because if someone gets that opinion, like I would take that, I have not sold my idea well enough yeah. to get them to know it's different. That's my ownership. And Hence why in my training courses, I spend so much time going, right, we need to sell this idea. Yes, it's the basics, sell something to somebody, but let's really define it. Let's work on it. And that's the magic. Yeah. Really highlighting and selling it and getting them into yeah. it. And I think some people can sell a brownie <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, this is like the most amazing brownie I've ever seen in my life. And other people say, do you want the brownie or what, mate? <laughs> and it's just another brownie, but it's the same brownie. Yeah, yeah. But the magic is in the pitch, the sails, yeah. the the je ne sais quoi that it wraps around it. I think, I think partly because we were getting such good feedback from some of the early work we did in the first couple of years, I think there was a danger we rested on our laurels a little bit. And, you know, this was also a time where I was having a new kid. I was a new dad. Like, my time was a little bit limited, you know. So I think there was a slight danger we went through a phase of, no, I think we were guilty of resting on laurels a little bit and not keeping pushing forward with the quality and keeping up to the extent we should have done and keeping making it better and better. So Alex and I have talked about this at quite some length and we've got a lot of ideas about what we want to put into our materials, how to make them better, how to take it you know, to the next level in terms of how engaging they are, the quality of the like points we get across, you know, all that stuff, how we get the activities we use in order to get them across. So we're putting a lot more thought and effort into getting that right. And I think our prospects should be different next year as a result. To come back to your earlier question about what like, our ideal, well, my ideal life would look like, I, I want to do more podcasting or I want the podcasting to be a more important part of the. I think that's, that's the single best thing we we do that's the thing i'm the proudest of that's the thing we most consistently get such glowing feedback about and we do weekly podcasts at the moment but but i want it to be i want it to be big i want it to have 10 times the listenership do you know what i mean <laughs> well, not, we should have every child at school listening i mean we'll probably not always be for every child because it's a podcast about how to study for exams and because i have like my interests lean towards being a little bit more advanced interviewing the science like i don't want to make the podcaster like basic you know bring it like be a kind of basic like the kind of the starter resource i guess child is the wrong term because i was thinking like, i think every high university student i think every, every high school student i think every university student um ambitious high school students that care about their success professional exams professional exam takers yeah and there's hundreds of thousands of those mm -hmm. millions everyone taking accountancy exams actuarial exams law exams yeah absolutely so one of my questions for you was going to be what do we need to do to transform the fame of the podcast and help to 
get it out there in the way it deserves. Well, I had one idea as you spoke, because I thought, oh, what about the people who are doing the accountancy exams? Let's go to the accounting body and say, give us three of your students. I will coach them and we'll make it a podcast series and I'll coach them on the techniques mm -hmm. to be advanced and to pass the exams. And then you can give it to every student who comes through the accountancy courses for free. You could probably double your listenership in a year by doing that and getting a body to put it out for you. Yeah, You could do that with the actuarial exams, but you do a version for those students, which applies to everyone because yeah, yeah. we all know studying the similar bear. We've just been talking about it. If you can squat, you can squat. That's great. The same for learning. If you can learn an actuarial term, you can learn an accountancy term. Mm -hmm. But like, why don't we try that? Let's get in front and in with a couple of the bodies. Mm -hmm. The actuarial, I can't remember the agency. I'll look it up for you. I used to run workshops for them. They do annual conferences. And some of those annual conferences, I actually did how to memorize with Katie and right. courses for them teaching them. They invest money in this. They do it. Like we just need to get it out to the right people who can propagate it to the people who actually need it the most. And I think maybe the, the advanced learners, I always thought actuarial students, like they ha have great jobs. Hmm. Like let's go to them and get it in front of them as well. Yeah. I think partnerships is a good one. Have you tried that? Not since the very early days long awkward pause as William thinks about it and I wonder whether he likes the idea or not or whether he's looking for something else because there are so many <coughs> answers because the answer to your question is how do I grow the podcast well there's 50 million answers there's so many ways to do it I guess the way I'd be thinking is let's define your ideal audience and then let's go after let's them go from there I think it's in, thinking back to that that first year of the podcast when we didn't have a listenership. I did do a lot proactively to help get it out there. I tried to find interesting guests. I tried to positions as on other shows. I tried to. I did try and do a little bit of that partnership stuff. Um, you know, I tried an example of a body I asked you, know, you used to recommend it as a sort of schools. You know, I have friendships with a lot of schools now. I try and get them to recommend it to their students. I just used social media. I posted it in Reddit forums. Yeah, you know, I did loads of stuff, and then I that gradually your base it did. It got us off the ground, but then I gradually stopped doing it because the results I was getting from all of that activity weren't really moving the needle compared to just putting out podcast episodes and letting it grow organically. And most people that I interview. Um, or talk to or fill in feedback forms or whatever, say, you know, how did you hear about the podcast? They were like, oh, I was just searching for how to study in Spotify and it popped up. Okay. So they're kind of organic discovery thing. Um, but I guess that's got us to where we've got to. And gets you 500 where, new downloads yeah. a year, which Steve would be very unhappy with. So where do we go from here? So, yeah, where time to revisit some of the, the proactive stuff. Depends what we want to build. Yeah. Because you can just put content out and let it organically build and hope that one of the episodes goes viral and finds you a huge amount of new. You can do that. Yeah. And you only have so many hours. You're a family man. You only have so many hours. You have lots of different things. But if the podcast is the thing you want to build and you want to make money for you, well, then we should shift a bit more focus towards it. Agreed.
because it doesn't make you what you need. But you're trying to get Alex into that position. Mm-hmm. Growing the blog, it's where's your focus? What do you want to spend your time doing? And there is a bit of you need to bring the money in. So you need to spend your time bringing the money in. But any extra effort, we should focus on the thing you want to do it long term. And we need a plan of how to monetize that podcast. Do you want to hear it? You've got a plan. I love it. Yes, we want to hear it because I love a man with a plan. I love a woman with a plan. I love anyone with a plan. Tell <laughs> me the plan. We're already doing it. So it's the best It's the best way we find new coaching clients. So we do one-on-one coaching. You can come and learn from us how to study. We'll help you with your study strategy. We'll do your routine. We'll go through your flashcards. You know, we'll help you with your mindset stuff. Come to us. We'll We'll coach you on how to study for your exams and how to pass your exams. The podcast is now the best way we find new clients for that. Um, you do the coaching still? I split it with Alex. So okay. she does school-age students. She's good with that. I do professionals. I'm good with that. And I don't really want to give that up, actually. They're some of my – they're lovely people. I really enjoy that work. <laughs> so I'm very happy having a bit of coaching in there still. Um, the other ways – that we the other way that we've got now is it's more, more of our self study courses so the the kind of signature thing we do is the study smarter network that gets you access to a number of different p- courses we've got on how to learn effectively how to overcome procrastination all the different bits and bobs we teach in schools and teach our coaching clients but on a sort of more self study basis and so you teach people to overcome procrastination on a self study basis Sure. Why are you looking at me strangely? <laughs> I feel like they would procrastinate on the self-study course. Oh, yeah, but what they're procrastinating on is their studies. And what better way to procrastinate than watch a course on how not to procrastinate? <laughs> the number one thing people ask for help with whenever we survey people, what do you want help with on your exams? Oh, I wish I didn't procrastinate so much. So, they get on so we got a course earlier. on it. <laughs> well, you should do. That is the thing. People put it off. So those will continue to grow and we'll continue to develop the product and continue to advertise that to a hopefully growing audience on the podcast. The third thing I want to work towards is advertising because not every podcast listener is going to be in the market for those first two things. We're currently a little bit subscale to be on any of the big ad networks. So with blogging, we're in a good place. We're now big enough that we can be on one of the big ad networks it just all happens in the background and they sell our ad space and we get a Which check. Which network are you on? Mediavine. Oh, excellent. That's the same one as Millennial Revolution. Yeah. Love Mediavine. So much time for Mediavine. They're, they're honestly first-class outfit from my experience. Mediavine for podcasting sort of doesn't quite exist in the same no, way. No, it's not the, quite the same service, no. There are ad networks out there, but you need to be like a lot, a lot, lot bigger. So... We get kind of 3,000 downloads in the first 30 days. We need 10,000 to even be considered. Which you're not that far away. But adding 500 new li- every is quite a few years two, if you just leave it organically. That's, yeah, that's another 14 years at 500 every two years. Hence then the, we just hence need to come <laughs> up with the plan. Like if you've got the monetization that drives the money from doing that through those courses, yeah. through the coaching, then we just need to scale up. Yeah. So then we go, let's come up with the strategy. And like it's the same thing we talk about is let's frame the question. 
Yeah. Which the question is, how do we get to 20,000 downloads an episode within seven days? Maybe that's the question. Then you go, let's brainstorm answers. Number one, press. Let's try press. Let's try and get you articles at exam season that says 10 tips. I had a, I had a five, well, it's four columns, and then they did an online one in The Times, the UK's top broadsheet in exam season last year. It's been the worst one for driving traffic for us. <laughs> I think I had one person off the back of that. No drop one me young a, reads the times. Drop me a, drop me a, drop me a message about potentially doing some coaching for their for their son or daughter, we and we didn't. The, uh, and, and they ghosted on not coming on the phone. Um, we so, were in the Times. We were in the Guardian. Did nothing. I mean, we nothing the against sun, the Times content, but <laughs> and it added ten thousand people to our mailing list in wow. two days. We were in iNews. It added 7,000 people to our mailing list and filled this year's course. Like, there's prestige being in the Times, yeah. but in my experience, it's done nothing. We were in the New York Times. Oh, so I need to be in the nothing. sun. <laughs> you need to be in the sun. You need to be around exam season. You need to be in iNews. We need to find the people who write for those, pitch them some story ideas. Let's get in a paper that actually has reach into mm -hmm. some of the different audiences. Just because the times didn't work doesn't mean the other people won't Fair work. enough. Yeah, and fair it's enough. fascinating because I would agree with you. I was despondent with mm. press mm. because I'd been in all the major newspapers and yeah. did nothing until yeah. that Sun article with Katie yeah. and that we were recognized in Mexico from the Sun article. What do you think the difference was? The Times just made stuff up about us and lied. The Sun was the most thorough, detailed chat it's the exact opposite of what anyone would think it was the most thorough detail checked thing they wanted to see all the bank statements they wanted all the proof wow. they were amazing the times just made stuff up what do i think it was the sun has the biggest readership they had a title which was something line, along the lines of female millionaire explains how she retired early that was very catchy i'm hooked uh yeah like people <laughs> read it and then that then propagated into every media outlet. We laughed a lot because the uh, mirror translated it to woman explains how she retired early. Well, that's <laughs> Katie's defining feature is that she's a woman. But it was very funny and it ended up in the India Times. It ended up in the Mexican papers. But that had more reach than the Times ever did. So if we can find a way to get you in one of those papers, but like the process for everyone listening to this is you set your goal, turn it into a question, brainstorm ideas, pick your top three ideas, and then we go hell for leather to make those ideas happen. I would put press in your list because I think you've got a story, you've got some things. If we can have one of your students who was predicted a D and they tell their story about how they got to an A or whatever it is yeah. before exam series, season and pitch some ideas like we could get that out there and we could change kids lives and have fun in the press yeah like there are there is a way to do it but we just need to brainstorm all the ideas and then you need to pick the ones you want to go for that you think will have the biggest impact but in our experience yeah the times did nothing all right if you're listening to this and you write for the times prove me wrong <laughs> for the record if you're listening, Times, I thought you did. We did quite a good article today. <laughs> um, but but no one found me afterwards. Um, okay, so the the press sounds good. 
doing more with other uh you know getting bodies with reach to 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 recommend what we do i think that all makes a lot of sense i think i'd like to revisit going on other podcasts i'd like to do renewed efforts at bringing interesting guests with following onto the show i think there's a bunch of different things a bunch of different there's some great ideas there but i think the common thread is putting some energy back into promoting it and getting it out there because i've i you know i I, by my own ambition i've been quite lazy about it for the past two three years because i've been focusing on the stuff that brings in the immediate revenue and delivering that have you got an episode that your audience can share with other people who are learning i always recommend episode 66 the six pillars of student success as being the first place to start cool so have you asked your listeners to share it for you i do ask from time to time yeah i haven't again i haven't asked so much for a while that's something to to go on again and um, you shouldn't ask every episode but we've got to remember to do it because i'm should... dreadful at this so i'm yeah. speaking as much to me as i am to you it's a really good reminder and i actually asked about this in my listener feedback survey i did one about six months ago for the first time i think you probably inspired me to do it you've done one and about 70 people filled it in i was i was touched that that many people took the trouble to do it and the feedback just really inspired me to it's one of the reasons i got back into doing podcasting regularly again because i was sort of ah should i just wind it up entirely but i'm really glad i didn't and it was partly the feedback from that survey that that re-inspired me and one of the questions i asked was have you ever shared it if you have how did it go how did it go and like a couple of the responses have stuck in my mind one person said yeah you know i keep telling my mates about it but no one's that interested (laughs) (laughs) i think this was probably school level so you know you win some you lose some sounds like the same responses we get with rebel finance school people are like i've told everyone i know but no one will come to it and i'm like do they not want to fix their finances how can this not be useful yeah but uh then another one said i think this was probably university level she said i i this is wonderful response it was quite detailed she wrote several sentences she's like oh you know i keep uh like everybody i know has heard the ted talk from me about the importance of retrieval practice and spacing and it's you know basically the key things i've learned from the podcast and she's like everyone i know has had the ted talk about what i've learned from the podcast and <laughs> yeah, i thought it was amazing i was just going around like telling her and you know pointing them to the podcast as well as part of it um i think it's asking directly for the action every three to four episodes saying specifically yeah if you've got value from my podcast please help me yeah. tell one other person that you love to listen to this yeah one person that you sit next to at school one person on your professional exams tell them because it might help them to get better results fantastic send them to episode 66 the link is here the page is here like however it is we need to make it as easy as possible for to do it but i think that direct request and why am i saying this because when we ask people to subscribe to our youtube channel they do if i don't ask they don't they don't yeah so final question on this podcast piece how do you balance the finding the energy for these kind of slightly more longer term projects against the day-to-day what's bringing in the bringing in the income you need particularly in the context of you know struggling steve (laughs) you know (laughs) making you know keeping hustling to make ends meet it's no coincidence that 
I haven't done quite so much of this stuff over the past couple of years because I've been, you know, just trying to get the get the basics in place and bring in next month's income. So for me, I believe, and for all of us, it's about self-inspiration. I don't think Steve is inspired enough because all Steve is trying to do is just survive the day, get the money in, pay the staff. He's he's not thinking about how do I change the world? Like he's lost sight of that. He's just trying to make it happen. And I love him for making it happen. I want to give him a big hug, tell him it's going to be okay, but get your head up and focus on the bigger picture that's the inspiration. That's what drives us. That's what Simon talks about. Simon gets excited. They're like, the podcast, and we're going to help with this, and we're helping that, and we're going for this, and we're doing this. And Simon can't be stopped. He's just going to go. But Steve forgets that some days where he's like, I just need to get 500 quid in for this tax bill. <laughs> and he like makes the like horse type noise, and he's struggling a bit. Like That's what happens to all of us. And it's okay but it's the inspiration. So how do I do it? Practically speaking, I have a OneNote. You knew I was going to mm -hmm. say that. I have a OneNote and across the top are my major projects with a little picture of each one. Picture of the podcast, picture of Rebel Finance School. And it has, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, what's the reason why I'm doing it? Then it has a little bit that says, who's involved? Simon tick who's involved mm. and then it has a next action and once a week i look at that and it gives me the energy and drives me forwards and inspires me but i think steve's missing the inspiration that gets him to look up and go i'm not doing this to make 500 quid that is the byproduct of me doing the mission so get back on that mission fly out there speak to the press like you're obsessed with helping kids to be successful in this new global economy economy where our kids are going to be competing for jobs against people in China and people in Canada. And you sell the bigger vision. And we need to find that energy again yeah. that gets you out there. Because if you're scratching around going, how do I fill a workshop? It's really challenging. Whereas if you're doing the vision and you're talking to people and you're, you're at this level, suddenly it feels engaging and inspiring. So I think Steve's just... He's looking at the details a bit too much and we need to get his head up. The details will take care of each other if you're focused on that vision and you're out there going and selling. And does that resonate? Yeah, you? yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you think, how much of your time do you think you spend telling people about the big vision? I mean, it's on the, like, it's, it's, it's woven right through the website, the podcast. So that's what you're telling them. The podcast is. Yeah, I, how much of your day are you inspiring yourself with the mission? Yeah, no, it's it's a fair, it's an absolutely fair comment. I think it's a really good point. How much of my day? Not a, not a lot, and and I think actually, what thought that's popped into my mind. Another way this manifests itself is, I think something that really helped in the early days was I was doing a lot of reading, a lot of learning myself about my subject which is studying smart and learning science in the past two to three years i still read and i still listen to podcasts and i still learn but almost 100 percent of that learning time is now on how to sell how to grow a business mm. it's not on how to learn and the latest science and i think that needs to change you need to change of split 
Like it's still very important yeah, to learn how you need to sell, both. but we need both. And I think that's another reason, you know, maybe our, our some of our work you know, in schools I was talking about maybe sort of fell a little bit behind because we weren't still reading and, le- you know, we became a, I felt I was learning an awful, I felt I was learning all I needed to know, to learn through the immense amount of work we were doing directly with clients and maybe through some of the interviews we were doing on the podcast. So, but, but, but there's, that's, you know, there are other places to learn from as well. So if you're listening to this right now, what I would love you to do is to think, how can I inspire myself daily with my mission? How can I make it so that I wake up and I'm like, I've got to get on with this. I'm excited. I'm passionate. I'm driven. I've got a fire with inside me that makes me want to do it. How can we uncover that? Because that fire just doesn't happen. You have to create it. It's almost as though you imagine these things and the fire gets going, your body gets going, and you're excited to get out there. If you're not doing that for yourself, you have to be a self-inspirer, a self light the fire within yourself. So if you're listening to this, how can you light the fire this week and find the passion for what you're doing? Because we can all be a couple of years into the business and go, okay, I just need to sell this. I just need to get through this month and pay the tax bill. Uh, It happens to all of us. So we need to rekindle the light, the passion, the flame, the fire that drove us in the early days to make change. Sometimes it's about finding what pisses you off, what annoys you, what angers you about the way schools are doing it, about the way it's taught, about find that and then use that as the energy to get out there. I don't care what it is. But it's like I wanted, like I don't know, find the fire and yeah, light yeah. it in you and get you out there, shouting at journalists and <laughs> driving. The first wave of good practice in schools was often based on the, an organisation called the Learning Scientists. They're great. They've been on my podcast. I love them, and they did these six strategies. And schools often do like, here are the six strategies. We're going to do a six-part course, and. Kids don't need six strategies. Four of them are really confusing. It should just be two strategies <laughs> and like spend all the six weeks on doing those really well. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Do it. Tell people, tell the school, <laughs> tell them what they're doing. Offer them the science, offer them the reasoning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's get back out there and shout and no one else is going to blow your trumpet. No one else is going to shout about your podcast. Like you ask nicely and your listeners will spread it. Yeah. They are incredible. But you still need to be the spark, the drive, the cheerleader, the drummer. Now I'm imagining you in a cheerleader's outfit for your next podcast. Not a pretty image. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the pep talk, Alan. That's been, uh, that's been great. And if you're listening to this right now, please uncover your spark find the fire and get back out there and start driving your business forward thank you for listening to the rubble entrepreneur thank you william for being on the show if you're studying for professional exams please listen to the exam study expert available on all major podcast platforms william you're a legend thanks very much alan go do stuff